millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to Lego Masters. Deconstructed. Welcome back to Lego Masters Deconstructed, Australia's only Lego Masters podcast. Another Sunday episode, another double build episode, and another elimination. Zoe, how are you feeling? Once again, I'm overwhelmed. I'm always overwhelmed by these episodes. (laughs) I have a lot of thoughts on today's episode, so I'm definitely interested to break it down with you. There was a lot that happened, Um, a lot of controversies, a lot of Lego drama, returning contestant. Again, we saw an advantage leading to the exit of a team, which seems to be a bit of a trend this season. Mm. A mid-build twist, which I have a lot of strong feelings on. It was a very (laughs) packed episode, honestly. Yeah, let's jump right into it. We'll kind of go through the first build pretty quickly, and then we'll put a lot more time into the second build. You could almost say that we're going to race through the first build. That that would have been a better use of words. I regret not saying it now. (laughs) (laughs) So the first build uh, was four hours and teams had to build a vehicle which would race on a little racetrack and the fastest vehicle wins except they removed all the wheels and tires from the brick pit. So you had to essentially create a wheel and, and a way for your vehicle to move. Super cool challenge. I love the idea. I love that it's a purely technical challenge, which is something we speculated in the last episode. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of removing the wheels, etc. I just kind of wish they'd removed some more wheel-shaped pieces. Yeah. Because all the teams used basically one of two pieces in the end. They had this like dish radar thing or just like a big circly thing that some teams had. It was a little disappointing to see all these crazy wheel designs all abandoned (laughs) for the same kind of wheel design, unfortunately. Yeah, so Jess and Anthony, who ended up winning the advantage, they kind of went with this like, yeah, slick, smooth dish And then most of the other teams kind of copied them in the end. I don't know how they felt about that, but they did win one hour of extra time in the second build, which is a huge advantage. It was kind of interesting because Scotty and Owen missed out on both builds because they had their immunity from the last Mm -hmm. episode, which I think is, again, a first. I don't think we've had an immunity effect two builds in a row that I can think of. Yeah. And then we also had the extra advantage for Anthony and Jess. And so just like a lot of differences between the teams going into the elimination build for this episode, which is kind of interesting as well. I do want to point out that when the cars were racing at the end, they hit a wall quite yeah, big wall, quite hard. And I don't think any of the teams really accounted for that. Some of them really had to repair quite a lot in between those races. There was no mention of the wall on TV. Yeah. And in the testing, it definitely wasn't there because they kept running around to catch the cars. To grab it, which, yeah. by the way, terrifying. Imagine if you did if you dropped it. But yeah, you're right. They slammed into this wall because of course they would. Like, there's no way you're going to turn off the engine or something. Mm. And I think you're right. I think they should have given them not an hour, but like 10, 15 minutes, you'd think, to, to first of all repair and then, as I said, make some small optimizations or whatever to your to your design. Mm. I also loved seeing Trent again. Trent's back, baby! Trent's back. We obviously loved him in season two and it was great having him back on our screens. I just felt like... I wish he was there to do more, though. 
like I wish he got to help advise them or got to be you know something to do with the judging like I don't know I just was like can we bring him back and like get him to properly be involved? I did think he was having a great time and I loved what he was doing. I thought it was really fun. But totally. yeah, you're right. It was a little inconsequential. Even with Kale, he was kind of advising them, but not really. He was kind of just like, build build a bigger. And they're like, oh yeah, we're trying Kale. And he was like, woo. And he was also was having a great time. But maybe they're worried that they'll accidentally give a team too much of an advantage if the returning contestant maybe. has like a really good piece of advice for one specific team coincidentally or something. Yeah, I think Kale made more sense because the whole build was around him. It was around Kale scale. But Trent coming back, I was like, he is such a good character builder. Like, can we have a character build and like get him to be involved (laughs) and I just thought they could have like utilized him better the only other thing for me was Harrison and Michael bless their souls do you think that they just forgot that tanks are generally a pretty slow vehicle (laughs) like they're not really made to go fast are they well tanks are heavy and metal and I think it's a big part of why they're slow and they have tank tracks because of the terrain they need to navigate and that sort of thing yes I don't know if tank tracks are necessarily always slow I assumed for them they found those in the brick pit and were kind of like oh these are a kind of wheel let's just focus on that yeah right. and we're hoping they could get some good speed out of that and then eventually we're like no 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 we can't we can't be doing that <laughs> um so I like that and as I said I wish everyone had stuck with their unique wheels mm. I almost would have preferred if they were all given the same car and all they had to do was design maybe some gearing and some wheels. And it was like yeah. a wheel design challenge almost. That could have been cool. But anyway, maybe next year, maybe season four. Let's jump straight into the second build, which started off as the dream home. And then they brought in a mid-build twist where they had to add some element to turn it into a nightmare. And this really just felt like they blended a couple of builds from season two, the dream home build and the day and night challenge. I just don't know how I felt about it. Honestly, I was kind of surprised by this. So mm-hmm. the clearest example I can remember in history of a mid-build twist was the very first episode of season one, which was building a city block. And they built that for, it was something like 16 hours. Then they stopped. They might have even had a quick judging from Brickman, maybe. And then the twist came where they then had to make the city block under attack and they built for a few more hours. And I think that this episode would have been a lot more interesting and the teams would have had a lot more success if they went with that format, as opposed to cutting them off halfway through when they were all time poor already and then making them change their build and for some of them change it drastically with the same amount of time or at least just give them a couple more hours. Like they stopped at three hours, maybe they could have been like, cool, you now have six hours to do this extra thing. Mm -hmm. I just think it would have worked so much better and it also would have been a lot fairer because some of the teams were in a very different position in regards to changing their build halfway through than some other teams. And it felt like the elimination was less to do with their skill as Lego builders and more to do with just the pure luck of what they decided to build for their dream house. And I wasn't a huge fan of that. Totally. I completely agree. Sorry, I said a lot there, so. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that this twist kind of set some teams up to fail Um, which is really disappointing because, as you said, there was a lot of different builds happening. Everyone was at really different stages and it did kind of screw over a couple of teams. Yeah, yeah. I definitely would have preferred to have everyone finish and then they have to add on afterwards. I think as well, some teams, like you said, were sort of in a position that was a bit more ready for it. Say like David and Gus, 
they could very easily add an element to that. Like the, the setting of their home was in a situation where there's a lot that they could do with that and it's totally in their element. Like they're good at building creatures. Like I feel like it wasn't nearly as hard for them to add something as say Jess and Anthony. Definitely, yeah. Who had a really different setup to of how they were going to display their build. It almost felt like the more creative teams, or maybe we should say the riskier creative teams, mm-hmm. were being punished. So Harrison and Michael yeah. and Anthony and Jess. So Anthony and Jess had focused really on this modular build where they could take pieces of it out and have a look inside, which no other team was doing. That was really cool and totally got demolished by the twist. And Harrison and Michael, I love their build so much. They had a totally different take on the build, as you guys would have seen in the episode, obviously. And again, it was just so unsuited to what mm. the twist ended up being. So it was especially unfair on the teams who, I guess, weren't playing it safe, which I don't love. I also feel like it really banked on how big the teams wanted to go with this nightmare. Like yeah, yeah. Gabby and Ryan and David and Gus, for example, they added quite a simple, in quotation marks, uh, nightmare to their build. Like David and Gus added a big creature and, and Gabby and Ryan added all this ice cream and sugar and and they changed a lot of little details uh, in it to change the overall story. Like it was quite a simple idea in that sense. Whereas, yeah, people like Harrison and Michael and Jess and Anthony had quite a big, more crazy idea. Yeah, for sure. For their nightmare. And I, and I think that made it a lot harder. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe some more direction needs to be given to get everyone on the same level. That's a really good point as well. And I think an example of that is Fleur and Sarah in that Mm -hmm. their idea was a good mix of a build that could have had something really complicated to it. Like they might've gone, Oh, it got hit by a meteoroid or whatever. Yes. But they came up with a really creative idea as they always do, which was the tax department coming in, which is very funny and very creative. And so a potential solution to the really bad position that Jess and Anthony and Harrison and Michael were placed in might've been a different ideation process, which is obviously Mm. easy for us to say, you know, with our removed perspective. Yes. I was surprised. Surprised that Jess and Anthony didn't do something like, oh, all the sharks escape from the shark tank or something like that. But I imagine, like you were saying, they wanted to go big and Brickman probably pushed them in that direction as well. He was talking about how they had to have a really big wave. Mm. And so maybe they didn't even really have an option to do a small detail-oriented change like Ryan and Gabby did. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to add before we jump into each team individually was that at the start, everyone was really going on about needing to create height. Everyone wanted to build on a mountain or rocks or whatever it was. Was that like a secret mandatory or something? Because everyone was obsessed with it. (laughs) I wonder if it's one of those things where people have started to notice the things that subconsciously catch your attention. Yeah. Like even if the brief isn't about scale, a bigger build is probably going to be a little more eye-catching than a smaller build. And mm-hmm. so that's something they started to push towards. You know, they have two seasons and half of their season under their belts now. They're trying to draw upon past experience. That's kind of my theory with that. I don't know if it's true. Maybe it's part of the reason. It's a great point. All right. We'll start with Gabby and Ryan, who are our winners. And they had the ultimate family retreat and they sort of had like a kid's section and a parent section. And then the nightmare was that an ice cream van came and all the children were hyped up on sugar. I like the architecture of their house quite a lot and I like the way it sat in its surroundings. Mm-hmm. I do think though they went with a safer option like they didn't build a massive tree 
they didn't build uh, a massive landscape. You know, they sort of just went with like a slightly modern designed, cool looking house, which I think they executed well. But I feel like Brick Manchester rewarded a less risky thing, which is obviously affected, as we said just before, with the nightmare scenario as well. Yeah, I think what they did well was they used a lot of colour. It was very clear, like they, the different rooms that they'd built. They had a lot of little stories. But like you said, they didn't have like one big feature like or one or two big features like some of the other builds have. And I think this is something that we start to question with with Brickman's judging and, and what's the criteria like how do you compare how do you compare that those builds against each other like a a more safe build with lots of little stories versus something that's like really big and maybe technically more advanced or, or whatever it is so yeah it's it's really hard to judge these types of builds and that's something that we've touched on in a few of our interviews with the contestants both last season mm-hmm. and this current season so check those out if you haven't just a plug <laughs> But the fact that Brickman does actually give so much more judgment than what we see on the TV show. Yeah. And so it's so hard for us to get a perspective of what else he was saying. And the way it's edited might seem like he's really skewing to particular things that make more sense if you're there in the studio. But to us, we don't understand as clearly why he's made these decisions. And it's so hard (laughs) for us as viewers to then be objective about it because we're like, Brickman, what are you talking about? It's just one of the realities of TV, obviously. Yeah, totally. And and I will say, I thought Gabby and Ryan did do a really good job. I thought that their storytelling in this was definitely another level up from, from builds that they've done previously. So I think they were definitely deserving winners, deserving a top two at the very least. And I also will say it's a lot of smart choices that they made. Like it wasn't a coincidence that they were well-placed for this nightmare build. Like they made... Totally. It was It was a result of the smart choices they were making by making sure they had they weren't too pressed for time and they mm. had the ability to make those changes. So I'm not saying they were lucky. I'm saying they're good builders yeah. <laughs> when I say everything I've been saying. <laughs> Let's go to David and Gus who uh, were in the top two. And this was... Um, it was actually like quite sad to watch them the, the first half of this episode. You know, we said last episode that this was the first time we'd sort of really seen them struggle and usually that they get through a build without really any hiccups that we see at least. But Gus really struggled with this build and he was really out of his comfort zone for the, the first few hours. It does seem like they're having a bit of a mid-season lull potentially, mm. which is interesting. But I do want to just touch on it for a second the fact that Britman confirmed something that I said a few episodes ago, which is that... Yes, I wrote I wrote this down. I know exactly what you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I speculated a few episodes ago that he judges David and Gus harsher than the other teams. Mm-hmm. And he straight up said it in this episode. He, the wording he used was that he has higher expectations, mm-hmm. but that's code for the same thing. And that's such a difficult thing to hear because it obviously is reflective of how strong they are as Lego builders. But it also kind of feels unfair as well. Yeah, I get where Brickman's coming from in the sense that he's like, I know you can do better than this, which is very encouraging and it's a big compliment. But then, yeah, it is hard. Like if they put forward a build that is maybe a 10 out of 10 for another team, but only like a 7 out of 10 for them, like does that mean that they're going to go home on that? Like I I think Brickman needs to be careful with how he's judging teams differently in that sense. 
maybe in Brickman's head, he's already sort of thought, yeah, they're definitely going to be in the final three no matter what. And so he's not too stressed about that. And then once it gets to the final three, there's mm. obviously some of the public vote in there as well. And so he's he's like, yeah, it'll all sort itself out. Maybe that's kind of where he's thinking with it. Yeah, I, I think we'll have to keep an eye on it. It'll be very interesting to see how it goes. Yeah, it was sad seeing them kind of have really low confidence at the start. I don't know if Brickman's comments particularly helped that. Yeah. But they did get there in the end. They shifted <laughs> their idea. So they went from this kind of home on the mountain to an Amazon treehouse. And I must say, in that little period where sort of they took a break and Gus went for a walk and David was working out what they were doing, I was literally yelling at the TV. I was like, Build a treehouse. You've like got the foundation for it. And then he turned around and was like, I think we should do a treehouse. I was like, yeah. yes, this is perfect. And it turned out really beautiful. They, I loved that they had the uh, roof of the house opening up. We didn't actually really see that, but you could see while they were building that they had it open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought the giant snake coming up the side of the tree was just a perfect addition. I thought it was wonderful. I was a little confused at the beginning and even at the first half of the episode. It seems like it was all about like, Gus, what house do you want to build? Gus, are you happy with the house? Gus, what ideas do you have? I thought the same. And David, in the end, came up with a treehouse idea and executed it fantastically. But did we miss a conversation at some point where they sort of assigned Gus to be in charge? Because he's the one going, he's like, I never think about these things. And it's like, well, yeah, you've got a teammate right next to you. I assume there was just something that didn't make the edit there explaining what was going on there. But it felt a little confusing. Yeah, I was a little lost with those conversations as well. And again, I had put it down to editing. Um, it was very odd, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they also had a last-minute branch fall which with only a few minutes to go, but we never saw the result of that. So I assume they just, like, connected it back up and really quickly fixed it, and it wasn't a big deal. But it seemed like a big deal for a moment there. <laughs> yeah, I just think they absolutely nailed it. And something that I thought of after this build was I've sort of said previously that they get one simple, in quotation marks, idea hmm. uh, and, and they just do it really well. But I think what it actually is is that you never have to explain any part of their build. Like you can look at it and you immediately know what it is and what's going on. Yeah, and that's yeah. very similar to how Jackson and Alex built last year was you, you looked at it and you knew what it was straight away. And then when you got a closer look, you found all the little stories. And I think that that's something they do a lot more than the other teams because if you compare this to, say, Gabby and Ryan's, like you need to look in it closely to work out what's going on. You need to look at all those little stories. Whereas with these guys, it's very clear from the start. Yeah, I agree. And you're totally right. It was a fantastic build. All right. Let's jump to Sarah and Fleur, who did the Beverly Hills Mansion. And this was super fun. They had like a manicured garden. They had a xylophone roof. It was very pop art. And I just really loved this. I thought it was super funny and creative and it really played to their strengths. I love seeing Sarah and Fleur just do something in their element that they love doing. They always crush it. Mm -hmm. I do think there was an interesting trend in that two of the five teams, Sarah and Fleur and Ryan and Gabby, both built houses about how much they don't like their children. Yeah. And that speaks strongly to me as someone who's never understood why people have kids. <laughs> it just seemed like, well, if these people don't even like their kids, what's going on here? Is that that's your dream house? <laughs> Is and it involves no kids. And Hamish seemed to identify with it as well. It was very confusing. <laughs> I didn't really get it, to be honest. I thought that their nightmare twist of the tax department turning up and auditing the artists and taking all of the art was very funny. I loved that idea from them. And I thought it was a really smart execution because they didn't have to add that much more to pull it off. Absolutely agreed. I thought it was genius. I thought it was very funny. 
Um, and you're right. It was a great idea to do something that only required detailed changes and not too many mass changes. Big fan of that. We'll go to Harrison and Michael who did the tiny home in this sort of big Western landscape. I have a lot of thoughts on this. My first is that I love this idea. I thought it was really creative from them. I liked that they took a big risk. I thought it was a really interesting approach. Like the dream home is a concept, so you kind of can't argue with them about this. Like I, I just thought it was it was really interesting from them. I do think that Brickman was too harsh on them with the judging though. I agree with all of that. I think it was my favorite build, maybe tied with David and Gus, but probably my favorite build, absolutely my favorite idea. And it would have absolutely been my favorite build if it wasn't <laughs> for the nightmare twist when they had to literally ruin <laughs> the entire point of their build. Mm. I love that it was so creative. I totally agree with their idea. Like I've never been someone who's wanted a massive mansion or anything. So I'm glad that they have a similar idea of just like a small space and a nice area. Although let's be honest, no way we'll ever be able to afford property that big. <laughs> and I was just, I was really disappointed on their behalf when they had to uh, turn it into its nightmare version. I really liked the idea they had to, yeah. to invert it into being a really noisy construction site. I thought that was great. But I was just so disappointed they didn't get to finish it to whatever they had pictured in their head because with the time they had left, like I'm sure it would have been phenomenal and we didn't get to see that. Yeah, and I think that this was one of the teams most affected by the fact that the twist was mid-build. And, and again, this is why I wish that they had let the teams finish yeah, yeah. and then added on afterwards because then we could have actually appreciated the build as it was before they did essentially have to ruin it with, with all the construction. My biggest issue with Brickman's judging was that he was so harsh on them about the scale and that's fine. The scale does have to be right, but I don't feel like he's been that strict on scale in previous builds. For example, the four seasons build where the teams were playing to get back into the competition he specifically said, this is minifig scale. And half the teams didn't really build to minifig scale and it didn't seem to come up in the judging. So I just feel like it's a bit contradictory. 100% right. And as we've already said this episode, who knows what else is going on inside Brickman's head. Totally. We've also talked a lot about how he has like the most difficult job because he has to make these decisions. Oh, yes. <laughs> like my top two builds would have been these guys, David and Gus. These guys might have even won in, if I was judging. And so it's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sad for them. And I, I hope they crush it, whatever the next build is, just to really say like, hey, we're here. Be scared of us. Yeah, definitely. And of course, we're just going off the TV show and what we're showing on TV. So <laughs> yeah. we should say that there probably is a lot more, or, or, you know, we have heard from contestants in our previous interviews that there is a lot more that, that Brickman says in the judging. So we just have to go off what we see. So I'd, I'd actually be interested to talk to Harrison and Michael about this build specifically and see if there was a bit more of a conversation around that. But yeah, it didn't, it didn't sit that well with me. You know that they're like one of my favorite teams. So I was like, personally offended <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to make sure we remember to ask them about it if we're lucky enough to have a chat with them lastly we had jess and anthony who did the uh, billionaire's mansion it was sort of the all the things house they wanted like everything that a kid probably has ever asked for so they had like a driving range and a crazy slide and like a party room and 
it was really fun and I, I'm sad that we had to see them go. Again, we touched on this earlier, but I love their approach so much with the modular house and they could take pieces out mm-hmm. and they just got disrupted so much by the twist. It was, again, really sad. And I wish they'd, even after the judging, shown us inside the house just so we on TV could appreciate it because yeah. it was clear that was the focus of the build. Like, we didn't get to see any of that stuff. And I kind of understand Brickman's point where, like, they would have to disassemble the build to look at it because of the way the wave was attached. Yes. That was your own fault, Brickman, with the twist. <laughs> but it's just a bit sad that, yeah, we never got to appreciate what they actually built. Yeah, they really banked on having those removable levels. So it was really disappointing when they didn't get to utilize that. I actually disagreed uh, that the wave needed to be as big or bigger than the house. I actually thought it made it look a bit silly. Like yeah, I yeah. get what Brickman was saying in the way that it was built. It it wasn't built that high up from the water. Like their their level of rocks wasn't that high. And I was like, I get what you're saying, but I just think they could have gotten away with a smaller, maybe like two smaller waves or something and built up more of that water scene down the bottom. But I yeah. It just just wasn't in their favour this time, unfortunately. And also, I think realistically, like, I'm not an ocean expert, but I don't think the height of a tsunami wave is what causes the damage. I think it's, like, the right. the depth and the sheer volume of water. I'm pretty sure the water only goes up a couple of metres with most tsunamis, and there's just, just so much of it that's the problem. Brigman was obviously just going for, like, a scale thing there. And yeah. as we've said with the other conversations, maybe it made more sense, but it's just a little disappointing. So next episode is the Avengers app. I'm so excited. Very excited. Uh, you had Star Wars last year. I get Avengers this year. I'm pumped. <laughs> no, I'm really excited to see. It'll be cool to have everyone on a cool theme. I assume it won't be an elimination, which is always nice as well. Correct. It's an immunity build and it'll take you through to finals week. So it's a pretty big one to win. Oh, that's a good point. You can do maths much better than I. There we go. Um, no, I got it from the trailer when Owen said it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Lego Masters Deconstructed, Australia's only Lego Masters podcast. This was a big episode. We had a lot to say, a lot to think. (laughs) Thank you for sitting all the way through it. And if you're hearing this right now. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Lego Masters underscore Deconstructed and on Twitter at LMD the pod. Please reach out to us there. Message us with any questions or thoughts, especially coming into the last few episodes of the season. We also referenced a few times this episode some of the interviews that we've done. If you haven't had a chance to listen to them, I would recommend it just because there's a lot of cool insights that the contestants give that obviously we can't tell you guys because we're not contestants. We have interviews with every team from last season and we're slowly working through the teams from this season as well. So definitely take a look. And if you have any questions that you want us to ask some of the contestants that we haven't yet talked to, shoot those our way as well. Thank you so much for listening, guys, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.